0: Y'all, what is up? What is going on? Happy Winning Wednesday, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Way. I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and what a week. What a week. It's 95 degrees out here in Seattle. Hot as hell for Seattleites. For me, I'm loving it. My boy Howard, I got to see Howard Akumia last weekend going out to Las Vegas. I'm rocking my locker room shirt, not only for Howard, but because we have an amazing guest, Adam Taylor, coming on today to talk a little bit about the U.K., the perspective of the UK coming in or looking at America. We also have him talking about the NBA and other things that he has going on, but it's a very, very inspiring story. So before we even get into that, I have to give a quick shout out to my boy, Howard Acumio huge shout out to you, my man. It was great seeing you this past weekend in Las Vegas and huge congratulations to you on selling Locker Room to Spotify. If you guys have not, go to Spotify and download Spotify Green Room. It is a live audio app. You can get to talk to different content creators, open up your own rooms and host your own shows, as well as interact with many, many different great, amazing people. That's actually how I met my man, Adam, and we'll get him on here soon. But first up, it's time for the business updates. So first up for the business updates, we have business leaders embracing Juneteenth. Well, at least that's what LinkedIn News called it. I don't necessarily agree with them because they talked about how Nike, Target, JCPenney, and many more companies were embracing last Friday as a holiday for workers. And yes, this was before Joe Biden, President Joe Biden signed the bill making it a federal holiday. But my question to all these companies is, how authentic are these actions? As as a Black male, as, as a person of color, we're used to seeing symbolic things come into play when it comes to helping us celebrate. But at the end of the day, is this actually going to do anything that's actionable? I have a fact for you guys. Black workers' median annual pay is still about 30% lower than that of white workers, according to a new Mackenzie Global Institute report. Now, if wages were equal... Black Americans would have around two hundred and twenty billion dollars of annual of additional annual income per that report. So the good news that we get from this Juneteenth is a federal holiday. Next up, we have stop saying sorry. Now, you guys are going to be like, stop saying sorry. What are you talking about, Chase? Now, guys, this was an opinion piece on Thrive Global that argued that we need to stop over apologizing. Deloitte's chief well-being officer says that too many apologies weaken the sentiment and also makes us appear way less confident. Now my advice to you is to think about why you're apologizing first. Was it really that big of a burden to that person? Was it really actually out of your control? What I would do is I would acknowledge my mistakes and move on like we should as adults. Practice being less apologetic and your confidence will inevitably increase. And then, lastly, we have Colorado. Coloradans need not apply. Hmm. What the hell is that? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in Colorado. Well, Colorado passed a law requiring that companies um, post their pay ranges on their pay on their sites for Colorado residents. Now, this includes remote work. So, basically, any company that could hire a Colorado resident. While this would seem like a bill that citizens would truly enjoy, there's been major backlash from companies. Now, remember, this law is aimed at reducing the gender gap and opacity around pay. However, many employers are including disclaimers and postings for remote jobs that say residents of the states won't be considered. And when I say the states, I meant Colorado. That's a big yikes. So now that we're done with our business updates for the week, let's get our man Adam Taylor in. I have my man Adam Taylor here with me, who's coming in all the way from across the pond. When I think about how far away we are, Adam, like, it's really, really, really far. Like we're literally on opposite sides of the world because I'm on the very farthest coast you can be on, on the West while you're all the way out in the UK. And I just think it's super dope that we actually met virtually through the locker room app and started talking about basketball and then culture. And I mean, when we met, it was a very difficult time. I would say for everybody, as we were going through 2020, the COVID pandemic and just, Hearing your experience over in the UK versus my experience out here in Seattle versus, you know, experiences from my friends who are in New York, D.C., the Midwest and, and places of that sort really kind of helped us, I would say, grow a bond over that time to now where, I mean, we were just chatting right before you hopped on here. And I was like, shit, I got to start. I got to hit record because we got to start going. But first and foremost, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well, and it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, first COVID vaccine jab today, so my arm's that a little bit huge. sore. Um, yeah, some dude who had it, like, had a bad reaction at the time, and mm-hmm. um, the panics, my panic levels went from completely calm to, oh my God, why am I letting you do this to me in like Yeah, 0.2 no, I understand that. And, uh, But it's all good. I mean, it's a bit sore, but I'm alive, and that's all you can ask for.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. You got the second one coming up, I'm sure, in a couple weeks. August, dude. Oh, 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 wow. August. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, that's just the way it is. That's just hey, that's just what they tell you, right? I've just yep. when I went and got my my first one, I felt like uh like Mike Tyson came and kind of hit me in my shoulder. Like it's exactly how
1: I feel right now.
0: I was it was tough to sleep a little bit, like rolling around was hurting a little bit. But the second one, when I got that one, man, I was I was very fatigued. I got like the chills the second day, but it was wild because I it was like a 24 hour thing. And then the next day I woke up and should I hadn't slept like 15 hours, I don't think ever in my life. And I woke up feeling refreshed. I woke up feeling great. And it was like one day of being down. And then the next day I was up and I was good to go. So I, I mean, I'm happy for you. Congratulations on getting that first one. And I mean, it's just a matter of time until things like continue to start progressing. Right. I mean, how are things yeah. out, out there around your, your way? Are things kind Obviously, of open? Are people able to do things? Curfews? Like what's that look like?
1: So we, we went through like, um like the full lockdowns where no one was allowed out, like, unless you needed groceries and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they've started to ease that and they've done it in four phases. So the first phase was you could see friends and family outdoors. Okay. Second phase was you could have up to six people in a household. So like me, my wife, my daughter could go visit our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, Hey, you can do pretty much anything you want now, but you need to wear a mask. Okay. And then the fourth one is meant to be in two more weeks where it's just like life is back to normal. Um, do what you want to do. That's awesome. Dave We've got these variants like these mutant strains that have been found here. Mm-hmm. Um and they're really bad and it looks like the vaccine isn't that great against them. So okay. um I've got a feeling we're actually going to go backwards again now. Yeah. Um but I'm sorry, that sucks to hear. For me, but... it's like I have always been a big believer in whenever you get a setback, the next time you come back, you come back stronger. So um I'm just I like, like yo, if if we need to have that setback, then I'm completely fine with that personally mm-hmm. because this isn't the forever problem this is a just right now problem so deal with what's in front of you and then just uh you know things will work themselves out eventually
0: i like that i really like that perspective adam because it's it's taking the the shit let's just call it what it is the shit that we've been going through for the past year and some months and saying you know what while it sucks it's only a temporary problem right like just like in in growth in general you go through temporary pain in order to progress and typically that's when you see the the skyrocket in your career in your life and something personally for you and I really like that that perspective and I guess my next question for you comes off of that saying how was 2020 and going through COVID and going through those lockdowns for you personally like we don't have to dive all the way into like necessarily the feeling part but like for you working through you know, the Celtics blog and following the NBA and covering the bubble and then covering all the way over to the new season. How was that progression for you that helped you kind of continue to have that perspective on on this entire pandemic where you're like, "I it's a setback, but we're just going to have to take this minor setback for a major comeback.
1: Honestly, man, when I give this answer, I feel ridiculously selfish. I feel very much, um, I feel like I'm rude to even say it because of how many people have lost loved ones, how many people are still suffering but for me as an individual this was one of the best years of my life mm-hmm. like um i'm a very solitary person anyway like i don't i don't i believe that too many friends means too many problems um and the more people that are around you the more you have to give them time because you know every human being desert, who's close to you deserves an amount of time that's mm-hmm. the best gift you can give somebody and um i just don't have that time to give so being able to work from home Uh, seeing my daughter I homeschooled my daughter personally my wife was still working she's a key worker um so me and my daughter were together 24 hours a day seven days a week um her level of education actually really benefited from that Mm one-to-one experience um she's doing way more advanced stuff in school now she's back due to awesome so um I took a lot of pride in in the steps we made there Uh, Mm -hmm. I was I I, I was able to kind of double down on the basketball coverage I could watch more games I could write more articles produce more videos what read more and learn more because I didn't have to commute to and from work I was working Mm -hmm. remotely so as an individual um, excluding everything that happened to everybody else like for me personally it was actually a really good year yeah Um, but I understand that there was a lot of a lot of trash that went on for other people in the societies and families so I try not to be like hey this year was fantastic what are you on about because mm-hmm. I understand that that's a very individual experience for me
0: yeah no I I appreciate that answer Adam because like you said I, I had a very similar experience going through this past year um, you know I'd say the worst thing that might have happened was my dad got COVID but he beat COVID you know and it was it was scary for a very short period of time and then we got through it, he beat it, and then next thing you know, like I was back on to everything else that I was doing. And for this year, it kind of it taught me a lot about myself. I learned a lot about myself. I started learning more about mental health, my own mental health, how to take care of myself and what I needed and what I wanted kind of in within this life that I'm living. And for me, I would even say, you know, I would agree with you that it was a fantastic year for me excluding all of the other things that happened, you know, outside culturally and within society, seeing everything that happened. And it's like, I empathize with everybody. However, that was not my reality or my experience because I just, I I was not within that, I, I just wasn't living that at that time. Right. That was that was a specific reality for certain people. And we did and we protested and we, we pushed for civil rights and human rights and things of that sort. But from a career standpoint from a understanding myself standpoint from a personal standpoint like I agree with you wholeheartedly that for some of us this was a good thing to happen for us to kind of lock down and not have to have other distractions going on and things of that sort and that's I mean this is for another conversation but I think companies are realizing that too by allowing people to work from home allowing people to do things where they can work remotely because they realized that people are just as, if not as productive, if not more productive working from home than they are with all the different distractions around, you know, and kind of thinking about that, when I look at the NBA and how they did the bubble, you know, back in 2020, and now they're back to, to having fans come in for the playoffs, which is fantastic seeing. And we've got an awesome playoff series that have been going on so far. What, what was your view going back to the bubble Seeing it from the UK and seeing what was going on in the US, did you see it kind of similarly where it was like, oh, okay, like if we had, you know, similar leagues, which you guys do with have, having the EPL and then also many other football leagues, what was kind of your perspective on looking at it? Like, were you kind of like, oh, this is awesome. I'm, I'm just glad that basketball is back. Or did you think that it was kind of like what I'm just, I guess I'm just asking like, what was your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my original perspective was um, this is gnarly. Yeah. Like, um, I was just like, you're asking people to put their lives at risk for our entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm. And um,
1: I understand, like, for me personally, with no basketball, I do feel kind of like, I don't know what to do right now. Yeah. But I understand that, you know, that's your job. You, I understand your job is there to play basketball and it's so people can enjoy it and watch it. But you're still human. Humanity always should come first. That aspect should come first. And I remember speaking with a few players and um, some of their family members that, you know, you get you build up your contact list. And um, a lot of them were like, they're not sure what to expect. They don't know if they want to go. They're a bit Mm -hmm. concerned. Um, But obviously it went ahead. And I actually think it was a resounding success in terms of how they limited um, COVID actually infiltrating the bubble and how they managed to keep everybody safe and healthy. And I know that coaches have since come out and said that, hey, it was actually one of the best environments you could possibly be in for basketball. Mm-hmm. But then you have the other aspect where it's the mental stress where there's no off switch from work, right? Like you're basically at work for 6 to 12 weeks yep. and there's no, you don't go home. And I understand that for me, it's like I know a lot of people, I saw a lot of people say, hey, they're paid a lot of money and they they should just do what they're told. But I don't care if you earn $50 or $50 million, you need that time away from work Mm -hmm. to be able to be 100% bought in on whatever it is you're trying to achieve as an individual or as a company or an organization. So I think for me, that was the bit that stuck out to me the most was, how are these guys going to cope with this mentally? And that was my biggest question going in and Mm -hmm. all the way through the bubble.
0: Yeah, and what would you say is your response to how some of the guys have responded mentally? Do you think the NBA did a good job responding to them, to their responses about the mentality and and the mental health things that they went through while they were in the bubble? Or do you think that the NBA kind of brushed it off and said, well, guys, you know, I'm I'm sorry if you played in the finals, but three months from now, we're going to start the season back up.
1: Yeah, I mean, from what I've read and heard, there was opportunities to have therapists and you could have R&R. They had masseuses coming in and mm-hmm. there was ways to unwind and relax mentally. But obviously, once you got to the point where your families, certain members of your families could join you in the bubble, I think that alleviated a lot of the stress for these guys. Yeah. Um, I do think that the way they ramped everybody back up so quickly and put games so close together, so there's very little recovery time. Uh, I think they were playing very fast and loose with people's careers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point, point. and I, I just I, I I think about those guys being in the bubble all the time because I think of it as kind of two pronged. Like one, like a a big ass AAU tournament, like a big summer like EYBL tournament where these guys are all coming in, they're all staying in the same hotel, you know. But the difference is that they're with their families, and they and like even when we used to travel for AAU when I was back in you know high school, middle school mom and dad would be there or brother and sister would be there. Or if, if your parents and family weren't, wasn't there, somebody else's parents or family was there and you could hang out with them. And it it at least felt it gave you some different connection away from the game and away from practice. And when I, when I got to college and played on the division one level, every time we traveled, I thought before I got to college that traveling was going to be fun. I was like, we're going to be able to go see the town. We're going to be able to go do things. And it's the complete opposite you land on that Friday before the game and you're watching film. You're in your room. You're going from your room to the film room, to the dining hall, wherever that is, whether it's a ballroom or, you know, conference center, wherever. And those are pretty much the only places you're going. And then you're also going to the practice field and then the weight room. And that entire weekend is encompassed in football. And I mean, we barely even had our phones. I mean, it was like 15 minutes with your phone. And then it was like, all right, we've got to go back to this next meeting. And if I pull my phone out, I'm not playing on Saturday, you know? And when I take that experience and I was like thinking about these guys in the bubble where they have no family members, nobody else around them besides their coaches, their trainers and their teammates, these guys are going to be sitting around. And I imagine playing with like a LeBron and he calls me, he's like, yo, Chase, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm playing 2K. And he's like, why aren't you watching film? We got game seven tomorrow. You know, we, this is, this is crucial. We got to win this game. And I'm like, yo, I just got to decompress for a little bit while you were drinking wine an hour ago. I just need to play a little bit of 2K and, and I could I could see it and hear it now because I had teammates and coaches and trainers of that sort who would be like, why aren't you watching film? Like you're guarding one of the best receivers tomorrow. And it's like, I know that, but I know exactly what he's gonna be doing. I just need a little bit of a break. And that's where I really I, I agree with you, where I think the NBA allowing the the guys to bring in their families, bring in different uh, you know, family members as well to kind of help alleviate that really helped but let's talk a little bit more about you, Adam, and what got you into the NBA. Because as me, for me, and we were talking about this a little bit before, I was lucky and fortunate enough to be able to go to an NFL game out in London. Awesome, awesome experience watching the Seahawks beat down on the Raiders, which was fantastic. But when I went over there, it was interesting to me to meet people while we were riding on the tube, meet people while we were you know out just on the weekend going out in Battersea. Not, oh, we didn't go out in Battersea. We went out in uh, Shoreditch. And going out around um, Piccadilly Circus and all those fun places and meeting people and telling them that they're that we were here for an NFL game and finding out that they're NFL fans. And I was like, oh, that was so interesting and intriguing to me. And my first question for you, Adam, is going to be around like, what got you interested in the NBA? Did you grow up playing basketball? Did you grow up watching basketball? Like what really got you into the NBA? And then I'm just going to take a step further now. What the hell got you interested in the Celtics? Because if you're from the States, you could pick a much better city than Boston.
1: <laughs> so um, for me, it's like it all kind of encompasses into one. So I was never really a soccer kid. Like, okay, growing up in England, it's uh, I always imagine the way soccer is here is football in Texas, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, the moment you're born, you're born into a family that supports a very specific team. Mm-hmm. You ride or die with that team, come hell or high water, and you you know, soccer is now your life. That is just oh, the yeah. way it
0: is. Adam, in Texas, when you're born anywhere in the, in the South, it, when you're born, your grandparents will typically look at you and they'll go, Oh, he's a fullback. Oh, he's going to be an offensive lineman. Oh, he's going to be a linebacker. Like they start comparing you to different positions in football at, at a, as a newborn, literally once you come out the womb and it's like, you were born to play football, son. That's exactly why you're here. And it's, it's ridiculous.
1: But it's just, that's how it is. Right. Like and mm-hmm. it's so socially accepted. So like um, it was never for me. Like obviously, I played soccer a little bit. Like a, I'm not terrible. I'm a big guy, so I, I've mm-hmm. I've always been one of the bigger kids in terms of height. So that was never like an issue where I wasn't good. It's just I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm I don't know how old you are. I'm 33. So I I grew up before cable was really a thing. You know, like okay. we had cable, but it was never like not everybody had cable mm-hmm. and um I re- we we used to have five channels and I remember the event I was about five maybe six and the one day my mom my mom said to me she was like hey basketball's on tv do you want to watch it and I remember it for the rest of my life because I didn't know what basketball was but we turned it on and it was a, a Michael Jordan game and it was a, oh wow and the way it worked was it was the tv network chose the best game of that week and every friday at a prime time english time like 8 Mm p.m they would choose the best game and then they would just put it on as a rerun and uh i I loved it i loved watching michael jordan and scotty pippen all those guys and um it became a thing every friday like Mm at work we'd watch basketball uh i ended up begging my mum, like my mum, can you get me a hoop can you get me a basketball i used to be outside dribbling um as well i bought my i remember my mum bought me a book on like dri- how to become good at dribbling a basketball how to become good at, at the right shooting and i just studied every day um i, I live in a wet country mm-hmm. and um i used to stand outside in the rain for three four hours a day just learning to dribble learning to shoot that is every awful. friday i'd watch the watch the game but over time, I was, the, the, the balls were becoming big. Like every, I used to go to school on a Monday and everyone was like, did you watch that Michael Jordan game? And it got to the point where it was like, man, the Chicago Bulls are almost like soccer here. If you watch basketball, okay. you have to be a Chicago Bulls fan. I was like, that's not me. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to have the Lakers. So we used to have four teams, basically. You'd either get a Celtics game, a Chicago game. Um, I, think this, I think it was the Pistons at that point in time. Or the Lakers. Okay. Um, at that point in time, the Celtics probably weren't the best team. They probably like, they were going through a bit of their, uh, their own turmoil. And because no one ever talked to me about the Celtics, it was always, did you see the Lakers game? Or did you see? <laughs> I was like, right. I'm a Celtics fan then because I don't want to be like, you guys are never going to, like. I'm in love with this. This is like, I am truly in love. And, you guys obviously just see it as something to watch on a Friday, the same way you'll talk about WWE Raw on a yep. Thursday. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, to you it's just something to watch and talk about. To me, this is like I I, I need to know more. Um and that just carried on then for about four or five years. I I got good at basketball. Uh well, good in English standards. Um mm-hmm. and then the internet came around, and with the internet came YouTube and now and one's a thing. So I'm like, yo, this is this is dope. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. The uh, professor. Fake. Yeah. Oh, dude. So like, um, every day learning how to do the boomerang, the slip and slide, uh, pull back. My street ball game got on point real, real quick. Really. By this po- yeah, real quick. By this point, I'm like 14 years old. I'm six foot tall. Um, I'm like playing against grown men. Uh, I'm hustling. Like, I'm literally hustling against grown men and winning, mm-hmm. and like making bits awesome. of money and stuff. <laughs> And then, over time, league pass comes around. So now I'm like, right, I know how to play basketball. Um, I was playing like um, English schoolboys level. So I was on the books for the England junior team. Um, okay, I was on the books for my city's team. Um, I played for my county as well. So that's awesome. so I basically played like AAU and then an oh. international version of AAU along with it.
0: Wow. So did you guys get to travel around like from England to Spain to France, like all around Europe, and get to play different? So the like
1: way that. it worked was it used to just be a tournament and i only played the one year before blowing out my knee sorry if you can hear oh that. man no it's okay um, but um we played in england and we played ireland spain turkey italy and the usa oh wow and, um, we got whooped every game
0: but still the experience there the, i mean yeah
1: but like that gave me a real big understanding on like um, how a box score doesn't necessarily equate to how a player's performed And Mm -hmm. it was that sort of thing that really got me interested. And then League Pass came around and I went down that rabbit hole of becoming a massive Celtics fan. And but basketball's been in my life since I was about five or six. And uh, it's just always been something I do every single day.
0: That's awesome, man. And I think, I think you fit right in with the Celtics fan base because when I growing up in Atlanta, I think you can understand how how the hatred between Atlanta and Boston sports are not just between the, the Hawks and the Celtics, but between the Falcons and the Patriots, the Braves and the Red Sox. I mean, it's it's ingrained in the culture. And I didn't grow up being an Atlanta fan. I didn't like the Braves growing up. I didn't like the Falcons growing up and I didn't like the Hawks growing up, even though my dad worked for the Hawks. Um, we were Spurs fans. We were my dad was a Titans fan. I liked the Chargers. Um, and then for baseball, I, I just couldn't care less. But one thing that we always held true was ABB, anyone but Boston. And my Boston, fr- my friends who are from Boston, who are Boston fans, always loved wearing their Celtics shirts to to school. Loved wearing their P- Patriots shirts to school. Loved wearing anything that supported Boston. And they loved kind of standing out from the rest of everybody. And I think that's kind of exactly what you were saying. Was it was like I needed, to, I wanted to stand out, and because everybody was only talking about the three other teams that were being shown. I'm going to take the Celtics. And I think it's really cool because I, I, I don't hate the Celtics, to be honest. Like, I think the new age Celtics is actually a really cool and fun team to watch. And also Jalen Brown went to high school, like 15 minutes away from where I grew up. So it's fun to see him thrive, except for, you know, his past injury. But I think it's your story is so authentic. And I think it's a really unique way because growing up here in the States, basketball, at least in my life, with my father working in it, I had it on all the time. I was always at the gym. I was always shooting a basketball. I was around Dominique Wilkins. I was around Spud Webb. I was around all these guys who played in the NBA because he worked for the team. And it was just always ingrained in me that like I loved this sport. I mean, I'd go into the bathroom and, you know, men do their best thinking sometimes in the bathroom. And my dad would always have his basketball books in there. And I I think it was called like Coach's Report or it was it was some magazine and it always had plays and x's and o's and he would go and he would write them on index cards and he would be like oh greg popovich ran this play you know a couple weeks ago we're going to take this and he would study the game instead of just watching it for entertainment and i always thought it was an interesting and unique yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're you're on mute adam every every game i'm taking notes just the same you have to you have to
0: Well, and if you want to continue to learn and progress on anything that you do, you study it, right? And I think it's amazing that you take this approach, and I think it's really unique, and it comes through in your work on Celtics Blog. I mean, honestly, when you watch any of your videos, which I'm going to have your channel linked down here in the show notes for everybody to go check out, but it breaks the game down in such a unique way where an American man looking at someone's work on basketball, you would expect an American to be able to break it down that way, but we don't because culturally we don't like breaking things down that way and we think it's um we think that people are looking more for the entertainment aspect but when you're looking at for the basketball gurus and the people who really want to understand basketball like the people that we'd converse with on locker room that's where Adam comes into play and you break it down for a way who, for people who actually want to learn the game and i think it's amazing that you do that and i get that leads me into my second or I keep saying my first or second question like I haven't asked you a couple um that leads me to my next question for you man which is like covering the Celtics blog how did you even get into that you know being in a different country I would imagine that it's a little bit more difficult to be able to to work with Celtics blog and be able to kind of get that going so how did how did that come about um and how how has it been going so far
1: yeah man I mean um full disclosure I've never admitted this on any podcast before I'll be completely honest just because I'm comfortable and I like you, so I appreciate that. um i was i used to as I said, I used to play basketball um when I stopped decided I hurt my knee um it wasn't bad, I got better about a year later, but in that year i you know I just smoked a bit apart to ease the yeah. pain of the knee and stuff you know um but over time, you know you get you get into that routine, so I never really picked up a basketball again because. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm too busy with my friends at this point now, um, Yeah, going out drinking, there's girls, there's all this fun stuff. Obviously what you, but what you don't realize is every day you do that is a day that you are not achieving anything. Yeah. And I didn't that, I started that at like 17. I probably didn't stop that type of life. Um, until my daughter was born at 23, but by then you're in a dead end job. You're, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have, you didn't go to college because you were too busy living it up with the boys and now i've got a, now i've got a little kid and i'm like what am i gonna do and for about three or four years i kept saying to my wife i'm gonna go and do a night school mm-hmm. um but i'm still chilling with the boys you know i put my daughter to bed my wife my fiance at the time was like go out see your friends do whatever and then one day i just woke up and i was like do you know what these friends are no good for me like um one of my my closest friend moved away when we were 21 and he moved to LA because he, um, his dad lives there. And he was like, yeah, I've got to get away from this circle of friends. Like, yeah, he was like, because we're, we're all really good friends, but we're not good for each other. So um, one day I just woke up, I was about 28 and I was like, right, that's me. I need to do the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, I enrolled, I, I had to sit some exams. I enrolled at a university on a night class, night class doing it part time because I had to work in the day to obviously provide. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I felt like it was like working and study, working and study, working and study. I kicked all my friends to the curb because now I'm focused on becoming a role model to my daughter. You know, she's going to be, by the time I graduate and I'll explain why, she's going to be 13. So she's going to be at my graduation. She's seen me come home from work and open textbooks, you know? So to me, that holds so much more value than anything else I could have taught her. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's actually, and she's learned it through, witnessing it rather than me just being like well when i was you know what i mean yep um but i got to about 30 and i said to my wife i was like um yeah i'm not enjoying this degree i I feel like i'm coming home i'm seeing you in the i'm not doing anything i've always done combat sports so like i was going to i do brazilian jiu-jitsu and muay thai so i was going to the gym and stuff Mm -hmm. but I just needed more. And um, I was like, I'm just going to start writing about basketball just as an outlet. Do you know what I mean? Like um, yeah. so I created some little blog. Um, no one read it, dude. Like literally I was, I'd be lucky if 10 people a month clicked onto a link. I tweeted out, no one knew who I was. No one cared who I was. Um, but over time that started to slowly, people started to read it. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, somebody's like, Hey, do you want to write for us? And we'll give you a little bit of cash for doing so. And then that snowballs in. And the same thing, you start a podcast, no one listens. Over time, you earn a little bit of trust in a small listener base, you know, 20, 30 people. Mm -hmm. And then you start learning the aspects of social media and social media marketing and how to position yourself to be in a, a place and time where people might click on a link and you start to get 100 downloads, 150, 200. And then one day, I just DM'd Celtics blog like, "Hey, this is all my work. This is all my podcast stuff. I understand that you guys do a like. You've got a really great group of guys there and girls. There are some girls on that roster. Um, but if you ever have an open roster spot, please let me know." Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, "Thank you. Um, if we do, we will." And then about a year later, I was like, "Let me just try again. It's the off season, you know. I'm like, I see bloggers leaving the off season. I see people." quit halfway through the year because they just can't sustain um and then i just reached out again and i never heard anything and then um keith smith shout out to keith smith he was on he he guested on a podcast and i just mentioned it to him like hey i'd look uh, like i've reached out for you i'd love to work for these guys uh and then about a week later they reached out to me like hey we don't have any like um staff spots basically but if you want to do some stuff in a volunteer role then um that's completely fine. And yo, know, that's all I need. Just that one little shot. And um I'll do, you know, if you give me that, I'll do the best I can to make it into something more. Yeah. Um, and I just went at it hard, like uh as much as I could write. And then the one day they were like, Hey, we just realized you do a podcast. Would you want to run ours instead? I'm like, Yeah, of course. So, you know, I picked that up, um, grow that from like a hundred listeners an episode to a few thousand an episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then one day they just reached out like hey there's a staff opening up we think you're really deserving do you want to and it's not a full-time gig or nothing I'm very fortunate to say it's a part-time position yeah but um yeah so then I got into I got into that aspect of things so I don't know if that answers your question but that's kind of the journey that's
0: awesome man I mean I think first and foremost your your daughter is lucky she is very lucky and fortunate to have you because I have a similar experience to your daughter where my mom went back to school when I was In middle school so out here i was i was around the ages of like nine i was about 12 to 14 my mom went back and got her nursing degree and um i saw her grind i saw her grind i mean she would shut the door she would open up her textbooks she would hate her math classes she would have to retake classes that she hated in high school that she took 30 years ago you know and and seeing her grind through that made me realize what it took to achieve my goals and my dreams and i look at her now i mean i was you know that age back then i'm 27 now that's 14 15 years ago and now she's a director at her at her hospital and i'm like only you could do this <laughs> you know like only you could have that snowball effect that happens so quickly because you've not only proven to me and my brother and my sister what you're capable of doing but you've proven it to a bunch of other people and i think your daughter is only going to benefit from that because she's going to see that from you and then she's going to have zero excuse when anything pops up and it's not even because she's going to be thinking of of an excuse but she's going to say i've witnessed this i've seen this i know i can do this right
1: yeah exactly like my wife does a degree as well Mm -hmm. like um same same principles you know we met young i've been with my wife since we were since um I was twenty, so I've been with my wife since she was eighteen. That's awesome um, you know what I mean it's so like fifteen and sixteen years um and it's like yo, she witnesses this, so my little, my daughter now will witness me go to work, come home, study, work until two three a m doing the basketball stuff, and be back up at seven a m to go and earn money the real job yep uh but for me, that's such a good way of instilling the the right type of values, you know mm-hmm. um, you, you you work in the day if you have to work for someone else that's fine do that but always make sure you're working to get out from underneath that yeah in the future but you know because for me like I've got this real big thing about working for an employer for some people it's completely fine and everybody's built different everyone's wired different I try not to let the Gary V's of the world get too much into my head yeah you know because everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and everyone like that's not me like my my outlook on it is I don't think I should allow or I, sh- yeah, I don't think I should allow somebody else to tell me what the value of my time is worth. Mm-hmm. That's a non-renewable resource. Every moment I give you, I don't get back. So for you to tell me it's worth $10 an hour, $12, that's not good enough. I want to be able to say, right, the universe is going to tell me what my time's worth by me putting the work in and seeing what I can get back out that way. Yeah. So um, that's the kind of outlook I build. That's why when the degree I started was um a computer science degree. Mm-hmm. because it makes money you know you get yep. a, you get a stem degree you make real money and then i'm doing this basketball stuff i start to get player interviews i get credentials like hey if you're ever in america you send us an email you get press passes so i'm like yeah i don't want to do computer science no more mm-hmm. so um i phoned the university bargained with them had to sit an exam uh, they let me carry some of my credits over so i didn't have to start fresh hallelujah then, um and they were like, yep, right. You can do a creative writing degree and ju- creative writing and journalism degree, two years left on it. So where I would have graduated in 2022, now I'll graduate in 2023. And I'm like, okay. yeah, that's fine. I lose a year, but now I'm not chasing the money. I'm chasing the freedom that comes with being happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't need the cash, you know, as long as there's a roof over my head and I'm not on the poverty line, I'm going to be cool. Yeah. Um, and that's what I try and instill in the little one. Like money's great and the world will tell you that you need to be rich to be happy. But um, the world's lying. Like There's so many different ways you can quantify yourself as rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, money to me should, uh, is not a driving factor whatsoever.
0: I like that, Adam. And I think I was having a conversation with a man on an airplane. This was maybe about a month ago. And he had a long career in the US Air Force. And he did very, very well for himself. And I remember asking him, like, what was the best experience that you ever had? And he said, retiring. And I was like, but what do you mean retiring? Like, I get it. Most people don't enjoy working and they look forward to retirement. And that's a very like, you know, I would say people older than, than our age range, like that's a lot of their mentalities. But when I asked him, I was like, why retirement? He was like, because it was enlightening for me that I could actually do something that makes me happy. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, I made, he was like, Chase, you may make shit money when you first get into the, into the um, Army and Air Force and the Navy, but it can be a very lucrative job over the years when you put the time and the work in. But he was like, there were moments where I was working on my I forget what like side business he was doing. I think he was like baking or something of that sort. And he was like, in my entire life, I've always wanted to open up like a restaurant and just be able to like serve people. And he was like, I don't even care if I make money off of it. I just want to be able to serve people. Like we can make just enough profit to pay everybody, just enough to pay myself a little bit. And he was like, but that's what I'm working on right now. And he was like, it's frustrating. It's, you know, it's difficult. But at the same time, I'm, I'm living my dream every day, which is building this. And he was like, and that's, what's invigorating and fulfilling for me. And I realized that I was rich of, of happiness, you know, months ago when I realized that I was working on my dream, no longer working on, you know, the Air Force and things of that sort. And I think it parlays into your story the same way because it's like, yes, money is great. Money's money will help help relieve things, right? There's there's a term in, in America that we use all the time of financial freedom financial freedom. When I was growing up, it was every parent that we ever talked to, they're like, all you ever want in your life, Chase, is financial freedom. And I'm like, uh, I kind of want a lot more than that. But like, yeah, financial freedom's great. And when I think about like finances and, and money, it's like money doesn't necessarily make you happy. I listened to this podcast by um, the Harvard Business Review or Harvard Business School. I, I love their podcasts. And they have this one called After Hours. And they were talking about how money can buy you happiness, but only because it can buy you time. And the perspective that they took was that if you hire somebody to come clean your house once a month, that can buy you happiness because that's giving you that hour back that you no longer have to spend cleaning, and you can go work on your podcast, go spend more time with your daughter, you can go, you know, to the grocery store or other things. If you, you know, have someone who you pay for as a therapist, that's bringing you happiness because it's bringing you mental health. And there there are certain things that money can help bring, I would say, a certain sense of joy. But when it comes to materialistic things, no amount of money is going to be able to buy you some of those things. Like you were saying, like Gary V to tell you that you're worth $10, $12, $30 an hour. He wasn't even worth that at one point when you, when it really comes down to it, when he was early off in his career, starting, you know, Vaynerchuk media, and he was making zero, zero dollars, he was worth zero dollars an hour. And all the work that he was putting in was to achieve his dream and goal, which he has, you know, been achieving for, you know, as long as I've seen him on social media over the past couple of years. But for him to say that, it's only in the perspective that he, and the reality that he's living in today, where he's making millions and millions of dollars. And I don't think that it's necessarily fair to say that to other people when that's not the truth in the reality. You have to truly love it and have a passion for it in order to grind, to get to that place. If, if your goal is to make a million dollars, you have to have a goal and a, and, and a drive and passion within you to get to that place
1: does that make sense yeah no it's true because like for me my goal at one point was I want to be writing for Celtics block so you do you gear everything your actions your thoughts towards that one specific goal Mm -hmm. that was where my biggest mental hurdle came was once I got there and I didn't know what was next I kind of meandered for a while like I don't I'm just Mm -hmm. doing the stuff and uh for me as a mental hurdle that became really difficult because you start asking yourself like especially for me my location where I am in the world like how am I ever going to make this anything more than what it is now yeah what like why would an American company fork out 20k to relocate me and my family to do a job an American can do with no relocation package Mm -hmm. how do I and you know once you really start asking those questions and you have, and it's a tough conversation with yourself in the mirror. And you're like, well, to be honest with you, they're probably not going to do that. So now you need to make a real tough decision. You need to say to yourself, right, am I going to figure a way to make it? So I'm an independent kind of journalist that Mm -hmm. finds a way to make enough money, set myself a baseline amount of what I need to be very comfortable, but not greedy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then, that's now I shift my intentions towards that. And that's how I, what I'm going to work towards. And, uh, but when you have, when you don't have that goal or that intention and you just believe that if I work hard every day, something will come up. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You need to, you really need to know exactly what it is you're trying to achieve. And then every action you take afterwards will naturally align with that because your subconscious is like, Hey, this is what I need to do for this. You've already thought about this on like your higher conscious level. Mm-hmm. now i'm gonna take care of the rest for you i like um, that it was only about i probably went through that struggle for about probably 12 to 14 months of really trying to figure out what that next step is uh i feel like i've found peace with what that next step is now mm-hmm. and i'm starting and i felt like everything since has aligned back into making that happen and i'm That's starting awesome. to see growth there but um Like Gary Vee says, like, it's that same thing. I don't let these entrepreneur advisors get in my head because I'm like, yo, while they're giving you the best messages, you know, take your time, try everything you can. I think their message is very humble and and it actually aligns very much with my own personal belief system in terms of achievement and goals. Mm -hmm. I just think that when these people are making these videos and talking, they're generally talking to people that want to be business entrepreneurs. They're not talking to people within specific industries like sports journalism Mm -hmm. or physical therapy or, I don't know, um, somebody like a baker, yeah, that stuff doesn't align because it's not business. So you need to take the best of what they say, but really ask yourself what your core values are Mm -hmm. and what your belief system is and look at how you've achieved things in the past and try and develop your own mentality. Because if you're not mentally tough, no matter what you try and do in life, it's going to be real, real tough.
0: Yeah, no that's that's facts Adam. That is absolute facts because mental toughness will take you so far, right? The reason that you are able to kind of look yourself in the mirror and say what is next, what am I going to do? What is the reality that I'm living today is because you were mentally tough enough to do that. And that's something that I had to go through over the past couple of years in learning about myself was what do I want to do? And I and I say going through COVID was one of my best years was because I realized I like going out on Fridays and Saturdays and dancing and drinking and hanging out with people, but I don't need to do that every weekend. I don't. And to be frank, now that I'm getting a little bit older, my stomach can't really handle it every, like barely once a week. And it takes me away from trying to achieve my dreams and my goals. And recently, I would say over the last couple of months, I've started developing partnerships. I've started figuring out ways to grow both the millennial way and class after dark to a point where I just want to see how far we could take it, you know, and by doing that, I have to align everything that I'm, I, well, first off, I I wanted to say like, I had to come to peace with those decisions, right? I've had a lot of different goals and ambitions within my mind of what I wanted to achieve or what life could look like in the future and figuring out what path I want to take and where I want to go and being like, I love my day job. I'm going to continue to learn and grow in that. And I'm going to align my certain time for that and a and lot, a certain amount of time for that. If I need to spend a couple more hours, more or less fair. And then my other goal is growing my podcast and that's it. I don't care about everything else, you know, and it takes me to any type of decision that I make to this day. And one of my mentors, his name is Joe Thornton. He put out a book called the power of or, and in that book, he talks about how in life you have a decision to make Always. Is it going to do this or are you going to do this? And it's always an or in between. Am I going to talk to Adam at noon today, you know, Pacific Standard Time, or am I going to take a nap? It's I can't do both at the same time. I really can't. But I had to make a decision on that. Right. And like you were saying, when you come to peace with your decision that you've made, then everything subconsciously starts aligning with that and you start moving in that direction. And then it's funny because all of a sudden you start feeling like things start to fall into place. And one of my um, former guests his name is Howard Behart always told me luck is where preparation and opportunity meet and when you're always when you're prepared as you are and you're continuing to move through you know your own journey as I'm moving through my own journey as everybody else who's listening is moving through their own personal journey and if you are at peace with that decision and you have aligned all of the decisions that you're making with that, all of a sudden things start falling into place and then you start getting lucky and then that's when Careers, personal growth, and a lot of other things start taking off because you started making conscious decisions and subconscious decisions to help achieve your goal. And I think about, you know, Kobe Bryant, the Mamba mentality. He wanted to be the best basketball player ever, he was not going to let anything else out. He was not going to let anybody else outwork him, let alone any situation beat him from that, you know, whether it was raining outside, whether he couldn't get into a gym, whether they landed at 2 a.m. and he was like, I got to go get some shots up. And I think that by having that same mentality and also like we were talking about earlier, taking care of yourself, it's only going to help allow people to flourish within whatever it is that they want to achieve, right? I think we all have our own vision of success and what success looks like, whether that's like being the Gary V's who have millions of dollars and driving these fancy cars and, and penthouses and multiple houses through different States and countries, or whether success to you means being the, the, show host for cnn at night or whether it's being the local you know news host or hosting the weather you know on a on a news channel or owning your own bakery or just being a baker in a in a well-renowned bakery shop like by aligning your goals and being okay with the decision that you've made to go after that goal i think it then allows you to have this work ethic that just kind of takes you to that next level which allows you to kind of show your mental strength and then just keep continue flourishing
1: i completely agree i think that what the best thing I can kind of speak on from experience is you have your end goal, but you've got to give yourself those micro goals, Mm -hmm. those very achievable, very easy to reach little, just little moments of satisfaction to reinvigorate that enthusiasm and that drive, you know? Oh yeah. So like every year I'll do a timeline of January to December with an end of year goal. And I, to be honest with you, I never really care too much about hitting that end of year goal. Mm-hmm. My focus is on hitting every single micro goal because those are the more achievable. And even if I end the year without achieving the end of year goal, if mm-hmm. I've hit the micro goals, well, I'm in a much better position than I was 12 months ago. I'm closer, to, I'm closer to where I need to be now than where I was. And I can, you can be proud of that. You can look back and you can see that growth and that journey. Absolutely.
0: And, do you I, celebrate I, those micro goals? Yes. Yeah, that, that's every one time. thing that I, I find key in my life is that as I set these, these little micro goals, as I'm reaching up to my end goal, I have to celebrate them. It, even if that means I'm going to grab a beer for happy hour later on that evening, or even if I'm just hanging out, listening to a Drake album, you know, or something like that, whether it's a small celebration, it doesn't need to be like, I'm grabbing all my friends and you know, we're all like, yeah, chase finally, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's not about that, but it's more about celebrating it for myself and then
1: that almost allows me
0: to feel refreshed going into yeah, the next, it's, it's kind that of that reinvigoration,
1: right? That reinvigoration. I'm exactly the same. I have to have those micro celebrations to go with those micro goals. Uh, you know, if I, I, I like to do one, if I've hit six micro goals, so six months, if I've achieved everything I'd laid out, mm-hmm. I'll treat myself to an expensive bottle of whiskey. I like I, that. You know what I mean? Or like last time I hit six um, micro goals, my wife bought me a new armani watch just like hey i'm crazy you know what i mean but because then you're like yo i want to hit my next six yeah because i want that bottle of whiskey or i want that new iphone or you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's exactly the same i do with my daughter we have you you earn money every week you have micro goals every week and if you want an allowance if you want to have money to buy yourself stuff you want money Mm -hmm. to save for something you want you got to hit your micro goals you don't hit your micro goals you get no allowance this week that's the way yep. this, it's the way the family works you need to achieve to earn i like and, that um, so we celebrate every micro win um and sometimes you know I, i've been lost for 14 months not knowing but i've still had micro goals mm-hmm. like produce you know even if it's just produce 30 pieces of content this month one piece a day
0: yeah you know i, I mean? like it I, yeah. I really like it and, and i think it's it's admirable adam because i i That's how I was raised personally. I mean, my parents were always like, if you, my dad owned his own business and he was like, if you want to make money, you got to work, man. Like, and you got to work all weekend. We're going to be up on Friday, Saturday and Sunday at 6am and we're not going to get home till midnight. And you're going to have to be there eating pizza and chips and drinking Gatorade, running the clock because I need somebody there to do it. And you want to make money, you know? And like, when I got my first car, I was 17 years old and my parents gave me six months and said, you need to find a real job outside of dad's work because dad's the one who's paying you. He's not going to be, I don't want him paying you anymore. I want somebody else paying you. If you want to go out with your friends, if you want to go drive, you need to pay for your own gas. You need to pay for your own food. And because of that, it gave me the responsibility of my own money. It made me realize what I needed to do in order to achieve the goals that I want and kind of put a, that instilled a small little goal in myself where it was like, okay, if I want the new, I always wanted this little like Pokedex. I loved Pokemon when I was growing up, you know, and the Pokedex, you could open it up and uh search for different pokemons and like scan a card or something like that and i think it was like sixty dollars was super expensive and i remember saving up for that and getting so excited for saving up for that and yep. being like i'm five dollars away and then i learned about tax and then we went in to buy it my dad was like i gotta cover you about five six bucks but like it's okay because you you earned that and i remember being a little disappointed in myself because i was like i didn't pay for all of it but like it taught me what it feels like to have these micro goals micro celebrations and then it's like all right what's next what am i going to work on
1: next and then it really gives that fire right like that's always like i haven't always been like that it's only been the last probably 3 years where i've really sat down and thought about how, you you as a child uh, you're always built you're always taught and rewarded on that earn and reward system hey oh, yeah. if you if you do your spellings correct at school this week in the spelling bee or whatever we're going to take you to McDonald's or to Chuck E. Cheese, or <laughs> if you brush your teeth every day, you're going to get some. You can eat some candy on the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's that. And I remember sitting down and thinking, well, if that works for children, why can't it work for adults? Yeah. And um, that's smart. And it, it works. It, it honestly works. That Those micro goals can be as stupid as they need to be. As long as you know they're moving you forwards, you look forward to achieving it because one, you feel so good. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I've I put this in, I've hit, well, I've hit my goal. But now I get to go and do something cool. You know, I get to order a Chinese or I get to play some 2K for two hours longer than what I usually would. Yeah. And then you hit the six month mark and you're like, yo, dude, I get a new watch or I get this or that, some new J's. And um, that for me personally, and um, I, I recommend it to everybody, is um, it's, that self-reward system. It, really, it, it triggers the dopamine in your brain probably better than most other things I can think of.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. And I love that. And Adam, we're going to get on to my last question for you, which I have to ask everybody when they come onto the podcast. And we've been having such a great discussion here that I could have a lot more questions for you, but I'm going to have to bring you back for those. But if we were to just randomly meet, I mean, shit, for the first time, I mean, we met randomly over an app, right? But if we were to randomly meet in person and say I was at a coffee shop or in an elevator, and I come up to you and I'm, asking, and I'm telling you that I'm really struggling. And I just look for one to two tips that you have to help me kind of get over a hump or continue to just move forward in life. What would those kind of one to two tips be? And they could be about anything. It could be about basketball. It could be about society. It could be about personal growth. What what would those be?
1: Yeah, so the first one I always tell myself, because I'm terrible for this, um, obviously, comparisons, defeat of joy. We've all heard this quote mm-hmm. before but the reason that I truly believe that was I heard another quote that kind of compounded that for me, which was, you don't know what everyone else's race is. I don't know the, the the hurdles Chase has had to run. I don't know Chase's life story where was he given a privileged advantage financially, but did he have both parents at home? Was he in a happy family? Did Or did he have like, you know, domestic violence in his life or Mm -hmm. um, nobody, you just by looking at someone, you do not know their hurdles. You don't know what their, what's led them to that point in their life. So you cannot compare because you don't know what drives that person. All you know is what drives you and what your goals are. And the way you envision a goal isn't the same way as chase envisions a goal or Adam envisions a goal. So Don't watch what anyone else is doing. If someone else is having success earlier than you, awesome, celebrate it because they'll celebrate yours when it comes to. And -hmm. if they see you cheering for them and celebrating them, they'll do everything they can to get you onto their level so they can celebrate you. Um, That's my biggest uh, advice that I give everybody now. Uh, I think there's far too many people, especially in the social media era where everyone's basically going into debt to flex. You know, I know somebody that literally maxed out a 35,000 pound credit card just to go on holidays and just take photos for the instagram and i'm like cool you made a 100 you know you've got 20,000 followers so you made 20,000 people jealous and you feel good about that how can you feel good about that why not show these people the truth and be like hey yeah okay i made a mistake make people feel good knowing that hey i'm not going to make her mistake she's showing me the truth that She did this for a social media glam Mm -hmm. and now she's in debt. So now I'm learning from her mistakes. There's so much value you can have from making a mistake that if you share that with other people, now, now, now you're putting good back into the world and somehow, some way that good's going to come back and it's going to work on you too. No, I love that. I don't just never compare yourself to anybody else.
0: I love it. And that's, I think that's something that a lot of us, I'm not going to say should have realized, but needed to realize this past year. Well, that's, I mean, I, I, we're all, we all fall victim to it at the end of the day, but when it comes down to it, when you think about what it is that you're trying to achieve versus maybe what else somebody else is trying to achieve, I feel like in our societies we're always told that you have to be better than somebody else. Right. And athletics doesn't, doesn't help because when we talk about like the NBA, the NFL, the EPL, any other sports league, we're talking about, people's athletic builds we're talking about you know things that they can't even help like that they were genetically built with and then you talk about their talent levels and things of that sort and you're always being compared to somebody else but when you look inside yourself it should be about what you want to achieve what's going to make you happy what makes adam happy what makes chase happy because we all hide our hide some type of a pain or 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 I'm not going to call it suffering because I make like it sounds so extreme but like some some type of tri- tribulation that we're going through inside of ourselves and it could be masked through, you know, flexing on Instagram, it could be masked through dressing nicely every day. It could be masked through not dressing nicely every day. It could be masked through so many different things and to your point Adam it's going to, it takes many, many conversations to sit down and be vulnerable with somebody to truly understand who they are mm-hmm. and what they're going through to understand where they want to be. And because of that, you can't compare yourself to them. I mean, not any of us have a, all of us are unique is is the best way to put it. And because of that, we have unique experiences, unique realities, unique understandings of the world as well, unique perspectives. And we need to understand that we are all unique individuals and we all have unique experiences that make us to who we are today. But because of that, I can't compare myself to Adam Taylor. I can't compare myself to LeBron James. I can't compare myself to the next person who sits next to me. I can't compare myself to my roommates who, sit, who live, live close to me because at the end of the day, if I do, it's going to bring nothing but fear, anxiety, um, self-doubt, and things that are just not, not good for you or your mental
1: Every minute you spend comparing with someone else is a minute you could be figuring out how to hit that next target or how to align everything, your actions. Um, I'm terrible for it. I've had so many times where I've seen somebody doing similar stuff to me and all of a sudden they've hit some success and I'm like, how, what are they doing? And then then I sit back and I'm like, I don't know if they've been doing it longer than me. Maybe they know somebody. Maybe they genuinely just deserve it. So don't be bitter. Don't be jealous. Celebrate them because Mm -hmm. they deserve it because they've made, they've managed to achieve something that you're still striving to do. What, where's bitterness going to get you, you know? So I I have to sit back and check myself for it sometimes, but when I do come out and I publicly celebrate you, that is always 100% authentic because I've made sure I've checked myself. I never want to be fake in my, my appraise for somebody Mm -hmm. because one, you can always tell. And two, I'd never want anyone else to be giving me fake love. I think everything should be authentic. Um, so it might take me three, four, five days to get to the point where that, that happiness for you is no longer forced, but it's now become mm-hmm. genuine. And I'll wait those four or five days to reach out to you because I want it to come from a place of authenticity and genuineness rather like than that. just saying it because it needs to be said.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. And that's I'm, I'll end it on this kind of personal story because that happened for me over the last couple of years, I've 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 always kind of been kind of at the forefront from a career standpoint when it comes to like my friend group, always kind of been the guy who was the first one to get the job, the first one to get promoted and, and things of that sort. And then a lot of a couple of my buddies or a good amount of my buddies started not necessarily, I would say, like catching up because it's not a, again, it's not a race, but they started celebrating big things that were happening in their lives because it was a personal achievement. And I would. It would take me a little while because I'd be like, "Damn, like, what do they do, or what are they doing that's different?" But then I think about the nights where I w- I would call them and they wouldn't be able to answer because they were working at one, two, three, four, five a.m. Um, the nights where I'd see them, you know, on a trip, and it would only be for five, ten minutes because they had they were on that trip for work, and I was on that trip for leisure, right? And and different aspects of that, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm working hard and I'm I'm working towards my goals, but their goal is not my goal, and they had to go through different trials and tribulations to recognize their goal and then to celebrate it. And I want to be there for the celebration, not because it's selfish for me, but because I want to go party and drink and have a good time with them because I want to celebrate them. And it took a a hard look in the mirror for me to say like, I'm being kind of selfish because I'm looking at these guys and I'm going like and I'm getting bitter with my friends if they don't hit me back. I'm getting bitter with my friends if it takes them too long to hit me back. I'm getting bitter if they, you know, want to roast me because they need a little bit of release and I I feel like I'm a little bit better than I than I am, you know. And it was a humbling experience going through that because it made me realize like one like I'm only human just like everybody else. I'm no better than the next. And second, just because I've achieved certain things in my life and my career doesn't make me better than anybody else or, or ahead of anybody else. So why would I not take that time to celebrate my friends when I don't get to see them all that often because I'm working on my, on my dream and my goals and they're doing the same. And we should, this should be a time for us to be able to come together and celebrate and have a really, really, really good time and then be able to you know slap each other on the ass and say, all right, I'll see you later on the next one after you, you know kick the next goal out of the
1: park. Bro, my best friend lives 7,000 miles away in LA and it's exactly the same you know like I, I facetimed him for the first time in five months about three hours ago um you know but like you don't want to like i want to I, I the first thing i say to him is how's it going brother not hey do what well, well, you know i ain't heard of you for months because that bitterness will be what stops you getting a facetime for another six months uh-huh you know more i just want to know how's life going how's the family when when are you back out here? Uh, where are you living now? Because I'm gonna be in LA soon. Mm-hmm. Like it, I. For me, it's more about those the relationships of people you choose to keep in that circle. When you're trying to make moves, those people are there for a very specific reason. But in general, like you, you have to celebrate other people, man. Because otherwise, when your success comes and you look around and no one's there celebrating you, it's gonna be a real lonely day. And that the work that you put in to get to that, to the point to want to celebrate and then to not have anyone with you, that must be the worst feeling in the world, man. And I think that to me is a scary
0: proposition. Agreed. I mean, I'd rather have zero dollars and people to celebrate with than a million dollars and nobody to celebrate with. Like how lonely of a life would it be being a multi-millionaire and you're traveling to go, you know, ride on a helicopter around Hawaii and you're by yourself, you're on a yacht in the middle of the Maldives and you're by yourself, right? Like that's not a lifestyle that I don't think anybody would want to live. And nobody should be envious of because being alone, like being like lonely to celebrate, you're not celebrating. <laughs> My last piece of
1: advice I'll give for everybody, learn to differentiate between friends and acquaintances. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a big, big one, especially for young people. Like, um, I used to hang around in a group, probably 30 of us on a night out, 30, 40 of us every weekend. Now, I speak to my boy in LA. I speak to my one friend who um, lives not too far from me. And then the other people I class as real friends, I've met through basketball that live in Sacramento, in Boston, in Texas. Mm-hmm. They're friends. I speak to them every day, you know, not about basketball. I want to know. How was work? Have you been safe? You know, how are you feeling? And you build those friendships over time. But knowing who's an acquaintance and who isn't really there for you, but they're there just because you're where the fun times are at, or that's what they perceive it to be. Knowing when to cut these people out of your life and move on is a very, very important skill. I agree. No, I love that.
0: And we're going to end on that one. Adam, this has been. Awesome, dude. This was so great. I'm so happy that we got to speak today. And thank you so much for coming on the Millennial Way. It's been a pleasure being able to just talk to you, get, getting to understand your story. And then also, man, I mean, talk about inspirational. People are going to love the tips and the advice that you give because, I mean, shit, I, I'm go- I love them. I'm, I'm excited to go back and to them. Thanks again, man. I really, I really appreciate
1: you. No, I, I'm, a small man. I'm just a part-time basketball Jack asked me to do this um, humbling experience. Thank you,